Hard to believe, but the North American Free Trade Agreement, NAFTA, is old enough to vote. January 1st marked the 19th birthday of the landmark agreement among the U.S., Canada, and Mexico. Now imagine something similar between the U.S. and Europe. The idea has been under discussion for decades. Drop all the trade barriers between the world's two largest economies. But so far, neither the United States nor the European Union were willing to compromise. Until now. And what's bringing the two together? Well, for one, Western economic strength is waning, evidenced by wide-reaching recessions both here and across the pond. Couple that with the rise of an economic superpower in the East, China, and you have a recipe for a potential partnership. Negotiators are expected to signal soon whether formal free trade agreement talks make sense. Terry Schultz has our report from Brussels. It wouldn't just be a big deal, but the biggest deal ever. A free trade agreement, or FTA, between the U.S. and the European Union would create by far the largest economic alliance in the world, with a combined market of more than 810 million people, accounting for 40 percent of global GDP. Shortly after President Barack Obama's re-election, the administration made clear that concluding an FTA with Europe is now a top priority. In a prominent address at the Brookings Institution in Washington, Secretary of State Hillary Clinton called it a critical moment for the transatlantic partnership. If we work at it and if we get this right, an agreement that opens markets and liberalizes trade would shore up our global competitiveness for the next century, creating jobs and generating hundreds of billions of dollars for our economies. Hundreds of billions of dollars and euros earned just by removing all tariffs between the U.S. and the EU, which already do hundreds of billions of dollars in trade every year. It's estimated that with a deal, American GDP would grow by about 1% over five years, for the EU by almost half a percent, with exports rising on both sides. Billions more in savings or earnings would come from other changes envisioned in an agreement, such as liberalizing investment and opening up transatlantic competition in government contracts. Peter Chase is vice president of the U.S. Chamber of Commerce office in Brussels. He's an economist and a strong advocate of forging an FTA yesterday. When you have an economic crisis, business as usual should never be good enough. You always search for something more to do. We know that there are growth and jobs that we can gain by concluding a major ambitious agreement between the United States and the EU. But if it's also win-win-win, as Chase describes it, why hasn't a deal already been done? Many answers to that can be found in your local supermarket. Let's take just one example of what's bound to be a major stumbling block in any free trade deal with the Europeans. Over the holidays, in a grocery store in my home state of New Mexico, I took a walk down the cheese aisle. Here's the ever-popular Parmesan, describing itself on the label as 100% Parmesan. The problem is... Parmesan is an adjective for the city of Parma in Italy, and this stuff is actually 100% American. The EU has laws limiting the use of geographic names on certain registered products to those actually produced in the namesake region. Back in Brussels, European Commission spokesman for agriculture Roger Waite says he expects the EU to take a tough line on this issue. It would not be possible for an American-produced cheese to be marketed in Europe with the name Parmesan because that's a European cheese. It's protected through our geographical indication system. And that's the whole point of the geographical indication system, to, to make sure that there aren't 
imitations or evocations of the name. There will also be serious disagreements over the use of genetically modified organisms, GMOs, in food and agriculture. GMO products are common in the U.S., but generally unpopular and even banned as unsafe in some EU member states. But if you were to leave aside the long-standing and difficult disputes in agriculture and foodstuffs, other sectors are more positive about the prospects for an accord. The stuff that's being picked up in Belgium. Mark Vanderhorst is with United Parcel Service, UPS, an American company with a long and successful history in Europe. He says UPS is in favor of the full steam ahead approach and wouldn't necessarily be opposed to making an agreement without the issues that are too troublesome, such as agriculture, or at least leaving them to the end of negotiations to build confidence and trust before things get stickier. Maybe the economic crisis that we were in and we are still in has actually made us realize that it's even more important now to come to close this deal and maybe get beyond some of those traditional talking points that we've been sitting on forever. Vanderhorst says when the EU or U.S. has signed other free trade deals, UPS has generally seen a double-digit rise in business already within the first year. But one economist is very skeptical an FTA will ever come to pass. Dr. Andre Sapir of the Bruegel Institute in Brussels points to the fact it's been discussed since the 80s. Sapir does acknowledge, however, that both sides have added motivations today that he says have more to do with strategic insecurity than economics. The uh, U.S.-EU free trade area would be demonstrating to the world that the two actors, which are still the two largest players, can still try to shape the discussion, the global discussions, uh, through showing to the world that there is this close relationship, which is not anymore of a military nature, obviously, but which is more of this economic, although the, the fundamentals of it is really foreign policy. Hillary Clinton's not hiding that. This is as much a strategic imperative as an economic one. There may be no greater threat to our security and our transatlantic partnership than a weak economic future on one or both sides of the Atlantic. But decades of dawdling haven't come without a price. A new study by the U.S. National Intelligence Council warns it's likely that Asia's GDP and also its military spending will soon surpass both the U.S.'s and the European Union's. In Brussels, I'm Terry Schultz for America Abroad.